I'm so excited to welcome Elizabeth Landau to How to Build a Village. We have known each other for many years, first meeting through CNN, and I've always been so impressed by your ability to wear so many different hats. And I've been especially impressed by your work for NASA, where you tell stories of the exciting science happened there, and also your freelance articles for Smithsonian, Quanta, New Scientist, Scientific American, and many others. Also, I've been so intrigued to watch how you have moved from Atlanta and Los Angeles and now DC. And of course, also your podcasting work with Curious Universe, Gravity Assistant, Pod Paper Scissors. So welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Jill. I'm doing great. And it's really great to be here. Well, I would love to first ask, because of course, you've worked in different industries, different jobs and lived in different cities. How have you found it moving to different places on in hugely different parts of the country, meeting new people and reinventing yourself each time. How has it gotten harder or easier each time you've done it? In many ways, I've been extremely privileged. First, I've been privileged to have such fantastic work opportunities that have taken me from New York to Atlanta to LA and now to DC. And I've been so lucky to meet amazing people in all of those places. I'm almost 38 years old. And because I have now lived this life uh, without children so far, I want to bring that perspective to it as well, because I think that if I had started a family prior to now, my experience would be very different. But because being without children, I was in some sense an independent agent moving from city to city. I had a lot of freedom to go to events, to really make my own schedule, to put myself out there and really try to build community wherever I went. However, I will say that as I got older, it became more difficult. So when I moved to Atlanta, when I was 23 years old, I actually immediately threw uh, friends of mine from college and from work. You know, I created community in Atlanta basically off the bat. Um, Atlanta is a place where a lot of people come from other places. They didn't grow up in Georgia. They came to work for places like CNN and other big corporations uh, because of the work opportunity. And since it's not their home, uh, they, like me, come without knowing many people at all. So it was really easy, actually, to find common ground with others from other parts of the country and even the world. Uh, I found like just such amazing people, uh, not only in the news business, but also in other industries uh, you know, who had a lot of common interests with me. I also uh, joined a band there. I started going to this uh, geek convention called Dragon Con every year <laughs> and like, you know, making costumes and going to these panel discussions about science fiction, like really broadening my horizons socially in ways that I didn't realize was possible before. So Atlanta was, was really a, a dream socially in many ways. And that was partly possible because I was so young and so many people around me were also in their 20s. Then when I moved to Los Angeles, when I was 30, that was a completely different story. It was very, very difficult. Um, really, my first year and a half, I have to say I was kind of miserable, um, mostly because 
coming there without knowing anybody and being 30 years old, I found that people around my age often had already established themselves very firmly in the sense that if they hadn't started families, they already had their kind of schedules and routines and LA being so spread out, it's really hard to even make plans with people if they don't live within probably 15 minutes driving of you. Uh, the traffic is so bad, it really dictates how friendships flow in a way that I was completely unprepared for. So I realized that people that I knew from college or from work that lived uh, perhaps in Santa Monica, which is by the ocean, I lived in Pasadena, which could be about an hour drive. It was easier for me to meet up with them on the East Coast when we happened to be on the East Coast <laughs> than it was to meet up like in LA itself. Like that's just how bad the traffic can be and how much of a mental block people have about kind of crossing the 405 freeway. Um, it's just this whole other culture of like, how am I going to get from point A to point B? There was a Saturday Night Live skit about that at one point where it's like, oh, I took the 101 to the 405. And like, you know, people can talk about that for like hours. Right? <laughs> uh, but the point is, this can make for a very difficult arena to make friends in. But I did stick it out. And it was really after my first year, year and a half that I started to make friends, honestly, um, around my workplace, around the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the Pasadena Caltech area, um, you know, really amazing scientists, engineers, uh, people kind of adjacent to those fields who came to LA for those reasons. Uh, and I made some, some wonderful friends I'm still in touch with there. I want to ask you as well, because you know, when you, you move a lot, it's a lot, of, a lot of goodbyes. I mean, how hard have you found that after those years in Atlanta and having this thriving community you created and then moving so far away? Have you managed to add on or is it, I mean, are there people who you aren't able to see and talk to as much, particularly now with travel restrictions and everything else? How have you found that keeping those friendships and communities alive as you have moved to different places? Yeah, it's interesting. Unfortunately, I would say that when I moved from Atlanta to LA, I lost touch with a lot of people that I was really close with in Atlanta. But I'm very fortunate and probably a rare case in the sense that when I then came to DC about three years ago, by then actually a bunch of people that I had known in Atlanta like 10 years ago, they've actually moved here to DC <laughs> as well. So I will say that um, some of my best friends in DC right now are friends of mine that were my friends in Atlanta. Uh, they Just by coincidence, through their work opportunities, um, they left Atlanta and they came here uh, to DC, Maryland, or Virginia. So um, I, I've actually spent the last few years almost recreating a community of Atlanta expats, if you will. Um, and, and that's been really nice for me too. So how, what advice do you give people who are moving to new places? Because of course, the dynamics of work have changed. A lot of people working from home and not going into the office and not having that same network that maybe you had or I had you when you first start, um, started vaccine in Atlanta back in, back in the day. So what advice would you give people who are moving to new places who don't have the in-person office experience? What are some other gateways to meeting people and building those communities? 
Yeah. So I guess whenever I've moved, I've always kind of started with networks of mine from college and grad school. And when I was in Atlanta, you know, really starting from scratch, I reached out to people that I had never even heard of before. I just typed in Atlanta into this alumni database. Uh, so that, that is a thing you can do. And it's a little bit terrifying, but uh, <laughs> but I did meet some people that way. Um, I did the same thing in LA with, with some less success. <laughs> but actually, I, I think that, you know, if you have any kind of built-in network from the high school, college, grad school that you attended, you know, that can make for a good connection. So many things have exploded on the scene since I was in my 20s, such as meetup.com, Facebook groups, like, you know, there are a lot of online groups that have in-person meetings. I guess there's a website called Nextdoor where people can meet Mm. their neighbors. So there are a lot of online opportunities for networking. I feel really lucky that I'm not moving right now. Like I'm sure Mm. that would be super, super difficult. But I guess I would say if you are going to move right now, you know, to really reach out to everybody you know and say like, do you know anybody in this city? Like, do you know a person who knows a person in this city? And, you know, really try to come up with at least like two or three people that you can have coffee with, you know, within a couple of weeks of landing there, just to feel like you're not completely alone in this new place. In terms of thinking about home, like where where would you say home is now? Oh, that's such a good question. Like I'm from Philadelphia area originally, but I suppose I feel like DC is home. But I I have lived in so many places now that it's hard to really say. I guess, you know, home is the place where you are with people that you care about. Uh, very deeply. So in that sense, I guess I I take home wherever I go in that sense. Yeah. And have you found a replacement or is there one for Dragon Con? (laughs) (laughs) Not really. So in LA, um, you know, there's obviously the LA Comic Con and um, San Diego Comic Con is just so (laughs) much bigger than Dragon Con. Um, Dragon Con was very special because it's really fan driven. It's really about the costumes and it's about the people that go to meet each other and, you know, find common ground around the TV shows and movies and sci-fi novels and fantasy stuff that they really like. I do feel like it by the last Dragon Con I attended, which was 2013 or 14, like it was a little bit overwhelming. Uh, So I'm glad that I did see it you know, back in like 2008, 9, 10, when it was like a little bit smaller. You know, when you start talking about 100,000 people in the San Diego Convention Center, like that is really overwhelming. And it you're going to not have a great time, like, you know, even just walking around. It's hard to like push past people in crowds and people are waiting for, you know, an entire day just to like get into a panel about the latest Marvel movie. Like, I don't know. It's, it didn't seem as fun at the one time that I went to San Diego Comic-Con. And now with pandemic, of course, like I haven't really found any replacement for that scene. I'm, I hope that, you know, this year it will be possible to attend cons and fan conventions and stuff like that again. But um, 
but we'll see. And so tell me about your about your podcast. How have you found making them and where can people find them? Oh, yeah. So I will say that I was really trained as a print journalist and I never thought of myself doing audio. I attended the summer program at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where we did a few weeks of print journalism and then like two weeks of audio like it was actually taught by a radio journalist and I was like oh my gosh like I do not care about the radio like I think the radio is for music traffic and weather like (laughs) and I actually like maintained that attitude for a long time really until I started listening to podcasts um, and then I started listening to NPR quite frankly so I honestly got into podcasts kind of late in my journalism career in some sense. And I only started really producing them about three years ago. And now I love it. I love this whole new medium of, you know, capturing people's voices and doing narrative audio storytelling and really making use of that medium. So uh, the shows that I work on, uh, one is called Gravity Assist, uh, which is with the former chief scientist of NASA, Jim Green, and it is an interplanetary talk show where uh, you learn about different NASA missions and uh, things that are happening in space. Uh, There's also the NASA Curious Universe podcast. We did a whole series about the James Webb Space Telescope, the largest, most powerful telescope ever. It just launched on Christmas Day. And then um, outside of NASA, independently, I am the co-host of a podcast called Pod, Paper, Scissors, which is about game theory and everyday life. Uh, Game theory is a branch of economics. And uh, my co-host and I, Ben Clemens, uh, he and I talk about um, different things and yeah, just about like everyday life and how game theory applies to it. I, I love that, that you've got three that you work on. Well, everyone should listen because they're all awesome. I'd also like to ask you, are there any books you would recommend, books that you enjoy that have, you have so many interests, you know, that have uh, furthered your interest over the years or sort of helped you as you've moved along or even that you're just enjoying right now that you just happen to have read recently? Sure. Yeah. Um, I do love that during this pandemic, while I haven't been as social as I wanted to be, I have had a little bit more time to do some reading. And it's funny because I think a lot of people expect me to be a real sci-fi nerd when it comes to novels, but actually maybe because I do so much um, space in journalism and it uh, NASA, I'm just, uh, I, I kind of leave that at the door and I, I read kind of like literary realistic fiction uh, for pleasure. And uh, this author um, who's Cameroonian American that I've discovered recently that I just love both of her books. Her name is Imbolo Mbui, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, but um, she wrote these incredible novels. Uh, one is called How Beautiful We Were, And the other one is called Behold the Dreamers. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them is about um, Cameroonian immigrants in New York City. And the other one is about a sort of fictional village in Africa that's being exploited by an oil company. And her writing is so beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. devastating. They're both not super happy stories, but um, Mm -hmm. the the writing is so powerful. And uh, 
kind of about a part of the world I'm very unfamiliar with. Um, so th those two books uh, have really touched me recently. Um, another novel that I thought was amazing in the last couple of years is called A Burning by Mega Mamujar. I'm uh, sorry, I might be mispronouncing her name, but um, it, it is about a young woman in India who, uh, because of a Facebook post, is arrested and uh, I will not spoil it, but basically, you know, it, it deals with Indian politics. It deals with the, the caste system and a lot of the sort of cultural struggle in India today. So um, I was an anthropology major in college. So I'm, I'm very interested in kind of world cultures and, and ways that we can understand uh, society. So, so these are a, a few of the books I've read recently. Well, that is fantastic. Well, thanks for sharing those. And thanks for sharing what you've been up to and your tips for people moving. It's inspiring to hear how you've created these communities all over the country. Yeah, no, it's, it's great to talk about those. Thanks. Wonderful. Well, uh, we will look out for you on social media. Any um, handles you'd like to share? Oh, thanks. Yeah, uh, I'm Liz Landau on Twitter. And my website is LizLandau.com. And uh, you can check out the Pod Paper Scissors podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast or at podpaperscissors.com. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much. Stay safe and thanks for joining us. Thank you. On top of everything else, Liz is also a talented musician. We'll leave you with one of her piano songs. Frozen fish sticks.